0: Hey Husky fans, welcome back to the Noah Dickerson show from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven Channel. My name is Trevor Mueller and with me of course is Noah Dickerson and our guest today, you know him, the the jerseys these last couple of weeks have been inspired from his run to the NCAA tournament. We have Detlef Shrimp. <laughs>
1: hey, hey guys, thanks for having me. Oh, of course, of course.
2: Glad you could glad you can come on. Glad you can come on. So, first i like to take it way back way back so when you when you first came to uh came to america right was there a um like coming from germany and you know i'm playing over here in germany and this style of basketball is different just as as a young kid back then was there a big difference in coming from playing over playing in europe to coming over to playing in america just in high school just to start off in high school
1: yeah i mean yeah i think there definitely was uh i think i was fortunate that i was at a club uh had a great coach and uh, and played on a really good team so we you know we were taught basketball the right way uh so when i came over here in high school um i didn't really have any issues integrating uh You know, on the on the basketball court, obviously, uh, speaking the language was another issue, but um, it was, you know, I I went from one system that, you know, really taught my coach back in Germany. It was was fantastic. Taught every player, every position. You had to do all the same things and then I get here to this high school in the state of Washington, the coach there does the same thing, you know, as a, mm-hmm. as the tallest guy on the, on the, uh, on the court on, on my team, I had to, I had to do all the dribble de- drills, all the passing drills, uh, you know, everyone had to do the same thing. So it, it fit really, you know, uh, what I wanted to do as a basketball player well. So. No, yeah.
2: Actually, I noticed that with the, um, when we have workouts over here, the the, the style of their uh, workouts and how they train is a lot different. It's it's way different than how I was taught as a as a young kid in America, honestly. But that's that's nice you had a coach like that in high school. I didn't have that until probably the later end of my high school high school career. So like that, that's pretty cool you
1: know. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing to see now, especially when you look at AU basketball, mm-hmm. that, you know, the tall kid always gets put under the bucket, you know. Tip it in, dunk it in, get the lob, uh, you know, but, you know, don't handle the ball, never dribble it, and and that just, to me, is a disservice to the, to the young players. Yeah, exactly,
2: because, I mean, everybody should be playing every position on the court. Uh, uh, so, you joined, you joined the Huskies back in 1981 and you uh, graduated in 1985. How was your, when you first got there, right? How was like, cause you know, I could, I see your sophomore, junior and senior stats, and then you can see your freshman year stats. You know, was there a little bit of a, of a, just, you weren't just an immediate impact player or like, was there a little bit of a, you know, college is hard. I, even me, I, I wasn't the impact player immediately. College was hard for me, so I like, did you have a hard time adjusting?
1: No, I'm not really. I mean, my expectation—I didn't really have expectations as you know. Nowadays, a kid that's you know, I mean, I, I, we won the state tournament undefeated. I was MVP in the state tournament, and you know, you have a kid like that nowadays. Uh, he, he'll, he'll, you know, he's going to think he's coming into a college program and he's going to dominate. Um, I was, you know, I was a late bloomer. I was skinny, mm-hmm. you know, didn't even need to shave in high school. You know, I was tall, but I was, I was a late bloomer. And so I didn't really have those expectations. I didn't know any better. I came to college and I loved it. Um, I came to a team that was basically, I think I at six seniors that, uh, so for me to be like the sixth man, seventh man and playing every game and playing like 15 minutes was, was pretty big, um. You know, but you know, we went. I think to the NIT my first year, and that you know, the team hadn't been in the, in any type of post uh, uh, league uh, postseason tournament. So it was, uh, you know, it was it was big for for being a freshman. Uh, and physically, I was you know, I was so skinny. <laughs> I was in the weight every day, and uh, you know, finally by my sophomore year, I, I added some weight.
2: Mm, yeah, of course. Actually, it's funny. So I, I, you know, she, looking at the last few years, you were, you know, you did what you did. You were amazing, and it's actually funny. The, uh, the year you guys went to the, uh, the Sweet Sixteen, my mom, <laughs> my mom, she was working on Wall Street at the time, and so she, uh, you know, she was living in, uh, she was living in Brooklyn, and so she, that this is the first time she ever heard of the University of Washington. And she was <laughs> like, she was like. <sighs> So you got, uh, you, it was you and you had a teammate, uh, Christian, uh, Christian, Christian Welp, uh, yeah, seven footer, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she goes, she goes, Man, what is University of Washington? But they got these two badass fans. <laughs> she watched the guys, that's when she became, she, she became a huge fan because my mom, she, you know, growing how she grew up, she loves sports, and uh, she told me to tell you that actually. Well, uh,
1: thank you. Please tell her hello. I love it.
2: I will. So, so you know, uh, could you talk about some of your favorite uh, off the court moments while you're at UW? Like, you know, it's easy to well, it's easy for the on the court. So,
1: yeah, I mean, even my off the plane court was still most of it on the court because I had a tendency to play everywhere in the city. Um, I had a group of guys, and we go from court to court and play during the summer and the spring, you know, outside, inside, little gyms. Mm-hmm. We'd play everywhere. Even during the season, I'd go play. Um, so basketball was, it was a huge part of, of my life at that point. Um, you know, I did, I did the typical college stuff like everyone, you know, if mm. I joined a frat and couldn't hang because it was just a party scene. So I just go to, you know, a party every once in a while and, um, didn't have any money none at all not even enough for food <laughs> um, you know so i would God. go to a few places where i knew i had some some like a couple cheat leaders work at this uh one burger joint so we go in there and try to sneak a hamburger mm-hmm. uh, you know we make the big peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at at the uh at dinner table because that was the only only meal we got. Uh, but I, yeah, I had no money, so just just scraping by. And um, you know that that was like every year. I remember running out of gas at this old beat up car, and I ran out of gas all the time. And and they wouldn't tow it because they knew it was my car, so they'd leave it for a day, and I can go back and try to <laughs> get enough gas in. So um, oh, that's crazy. I got
2: a car my junior year that was it was a hunk of junk. Oh my god, it would break down so much. Like I got—I was on the side of the road so much. I was <laughs> on the side of the road so much.
1: Well, mine had a, it was had a Cutlass Supreme, an old Cutlass Supreme, and the there was a leak in the windshield. Uh, and uh, you know, since it hardly ever rains in Seattle, I had standing water <laughs> in, inside the car, and. Um, it was just a mess. So, it, yeah, I never got it fixed. I didn't know how to fix it. And finally, it just kind of trashed. <laughs> no, <Nah. under> <laughs> <laughs> nah,
2: yeah, that's that's kind of what I did. I rode that car to the ground. Now it's, it's just sitting out there. Uh, could you talk about your time with the West Germany national team?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, great times. I mean, when you think about it, I started playing junior national team when I was like 15, uh, 15, 16. We... We traveled all over Europe uh, all summer long. Um, So I was in, in, before I went to the US and then my, my, after my high school year, I played in an, um, in Europe, European Championships, Junior Olympics. junior world championships and junior European championships. So we'd be in training camp in Tel Aviv, for example, for two weeks. And we'd play in in Spain for a week. We'd play in Italy for a week. Um, you know, again, you, you barely had anything, but you, you lived basketball and you were in cool places, even though you didn't really get to see much. Um, mm-hmm. It was a great experience. And then when I turned actually after my senior year in high school I played the junior European championship and then I played for the senior team also uh and then you know after that obviously I, I played for the uh, the Olympic team in 84 my junior year and then uh and then I uh, couldn't play again until 92 when they allowed pros mm-hmm. and I played again for the Olympic in the Olympics in 92 when they allowed pro- uh, professional NBA players to play mm mm-hmm. no nah. For sure, for sure. So, uh,
2: could you talk about one of your favorite uh, Husky moments on the court?
1: Um, yeah, I think Ed Husky, uh, at heck, Ed back then, uh, we my junior year we played a triple overtime game against UCLA, and uh, I remember getting a steal in overtime, and uh, it's. And Elvin Vaughn saved it, threw it up, and I got a layup. um, And he missed it. I tip-dunked it. And that was kind (laughs) of sealed the game right at the end. It was in, like, triple overtime. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the fans went crazy. The game was over. And that was was, just one of those great games. And it was nationally televised. So, for us, you know, the West Coast that hardly ever got on TV – uh, people actually were going, Wow, who who is the University of Washington? It's kinda of like your mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that got us some exposure. And then obviously uh, that year we went and played Duke and beat Duke in the in the NCAA tournament. So they, we did get a little bit of exposure as a West Coast team.
2: No, no, yeah. Everybody, you know, there is an East Coast bias. It's always been there. You know, I actually didn't know about the University of Washington until I got I was invited uh my going into my senior year uh high school I got invited to the Tony Roten Skills Academy out out here and uh-huh. uh and when I came out here they said can you visit the University of Washington and I was like I mean okay I I I never heard of it like I never heard of it ever ever in my ever and you know I uh, you know I kind of came out of here and I loved it so uh so good yeah, no, exactly. I, it's why I live there now. My mom lives in Atlanta, and I tell her she can come visit me because she know where <laughs> she knows exactly where I am. So, uh, so you know, uh, you were drafted by the Dallas Mavericks, uh, eighth overall, right? Yes. Uh, how was that? Uh, how was that moment? Like, how was you know? Because not many Europeans really get drafted that high, for sure. Yeah,
1: well, that was, you know, back in the day, I was the first one, really.
2: Um, mm-hmm. um,
1: it was a total surprise, because I probably talked to everyone but New York uh, in the top 10, uh, New York had Patrick Ewing, so that was guaranteed, but I talked, everyone else interviewed me except for Dallas and New York out of the top 10, so I was like, I was thinking I was going to Seattle, if not Seattle, I was going to Atlanta. And neither one picked me, and then after that I didn't know, and all of a sudden Dallas picked me, and I had no clue, no clue no <laughs> clue who the players were you know back then you know like there was maybe two games on t v every every week, so you didn't really watch that much uh so I was total surprised, and then you know we were off to Dallas the next morning to get to know everyone, so it was uh it was shocking. <laughs>
2: No, no, for sure. So it it took you, you know, about seven, seven years to finally make it back out to, you know, the Pacific Northwest to play with the Sonics. So how did, uh, how did it feel to be reintroduced to like all the same fans that watched you and loved you while you was like on the Huskies?
1: Oh, I was great to come home. I mean, you know, I, I I went to Dallas and uh again I went to a team that was very good. Uh, I had all stars at my position. We went to Western Conference Finals and then, you know, uh, my third year they finally, you know, finally it was playing a lot. They kinda of changed the team around and and then I get traded to Indiana and uh, you know, I thought I'd be in Indiana forever. We had a very young team and had success. And then, you know, literally four and a half years later, uh a day before the start of the season, I get traded to seattle and i was so mad at that point you you go through two days you go through training camp you work your butt off we had just bought a new house in indiana because they told me i was going to sign on another long-term deal there you know we had two babies and we already the season's about to start and then they trade me a day before the season starts and and you know i was so mad but then they kind of go wait a minute uh, i'm going to seattle you know so as soon as I got on the flight and I flew out here and a uh, I practice, I was shoot around the next day with the team and started that next night and played the first game of the season with the Sonics. And, uh, it was like, well, I'm actually home. So, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, it was, it was a blessing, uh, but it took me, it took me, uh, a, a little while to get overhead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, I mean, that makes, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So this is, this is, uh, so I just have a quick question. So like, or do you? Would you say you're closer to this day with your college? Well, no, let me let me rephrase that. Would, which did you prefer the co- being a college player or being a professional? Like which, which 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 environment suited you more? Did you enjoy being around the same group of guys you knew you're going to be around the same group of guys for you know three four years and hang out with the same group of people, or like you know professionally it's it's a little different. You never know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I mean I, I I love those. I mean, you know, when you go back to your college days. It was you know, thinking back, it was you know, even though you had struggles, like I said, you had no money, you could never have nice clothes, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But but it was a care carefree life, you know. I played basketball and I went to school and, and got by and, you know, you hung out and you did stupid stuff like you do as a kid and and then you know, then you you're in the pros and it's all about, you got to make a name for yourself. You got to, you got to get a contract, you know, you got to get minutes, you got to get shots. Uh, Then you get married, you have kids and, you know, life gets complicated, but I Mm. tell you what, you play, you play in front of 20,000 people that are screaming and you hit the winning shot or, or you miss it. You know, those are, those are, you know, experiences that you can't duplicate anywhere else. And, and that happens almost every day of your life for, you know, for as long as you play. It's just that up and down emotional stuff that, uh, you know, that you're competing, you know, and and that's uh, you know, I do it all over again. <laughs> Maybe something's different, but, you know, most people never experience that. No, nah, yeah, for sure. I I
2: personally enjoy, I mean, I have, like I said, I haven't been on like, this is probably, Bocum is probably the best team that I've played on as far as like winning wise and just the culture. But like mm-hmm. so far in my in my professional career, I, I enjoyed college. Like way just just the way even it's way better. Even our losing season, just how because the whole team stayed really close and everything. And we were all still really good friends. Like I I prefer it. I mean mm-hmm. that my opinion might change because like uh we had Andrew Andrews on um uh last week and he said uh he said he enjoyed he, he enjoyed more of being a pro and doing the stuff for himself. But like mm-hmm. he, he but I ever since I've known him, he's always been like that. Like he was never around for, uh, like my freshman year, he wasn't around for summer workouts, but when he showed up the first day of practice, he was ready. So, mm-hmm. you
1: no,
2: know, he I think he likes being independent, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't really create with most teams and pro teams, you can't create that college atmosphere. Right. Uh, because yeah. guys are, guys gotta, gotta make their name and gotta get paid. And, uh, and there's a certain amount of selfishness out there, and, yeah, and that's why your teams are good. The teams that are good, they got really good chemistry, almost like you are on a college team, right? And then there are a lot yeah. of teams that have talent, but they they can't consistently pull it off because guys are not on the same page and don't really care that much about yeah. each other. You know, that's no. that, you know, Is that like the sure. biggest
0: transition from college to the pros? I mean, you went from Seattle to, to Dallas. Um, there had to be a ton of you know, road speed bumps along the way.
1: Yeah, it was, like I said, it was very interesting. We uh, we went from uh, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, we, we flew from New York to Dallas the next day to meet everyone at a press conference and then had a little barbecue at the coach's house. And uh, I was pulled to the side by the coach and he asked me if I was serious about that woman. And I was going, I didn't quite understand what he meant. And then he said, well, she's black. And I'm going, so I, that had never occurred to me that that uh, would actually be a concern. Uh, well, you're you oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going, oh, this is Texas, I suppose, you know. Oh, man. So, so, you know, it was a uh, – we really enjoyed Dallas. We enjoyed Texas. And if I probably had stayed there, I'd be driving a pickup truck and wearing cowboy boots, you know. <laughs> um, but I never – that never occurred to me. So, they, yeah, you, you know, you get around in this country, there are certain spots and people that uh, will, you know, open your eyes a little bit. Nah, for sure, for sure.
2: So you were the first ever European to make the All-Star game, you know. Uh <laughs> You, you don't want to talk about that. Like, did you ever think like you would have a like a career, a career like this, like that you had?
1: Um, you know, at the beginning, I, like I said, you come out of college, you're an All American. You think you're, you know, you're hot stuff. You know, yeah. I was walked in. I thought, well, I don't even know who's here. Oh, they got an All Star there. They got an All Star there. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm an All American, and and it took me a little while to get my foot in the door. Um. But I never looked at it going I'm gonna play sixteen years. I looked at it you know hey let's let's get to you know the stage where I'm playing, let's get to a stage where I deserve a you know a better contract, and then let's you know get to a stage where i you know you you're hopefully competing for a championship and uh um yeah, so I never looked at you know how do I, how long do I play? I was like year by year and, you know, I had a couple of injuries too where you, you never knew if you're going to come back from. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, every year was a blessing. And, uh, thinking back now, I would probably would have played a couple more years because. When... <laughs> nah, nah, for sure.
2: So let, let's, let's talk about, so let's talk about the, uh, the, uh, the finals appearance, All right? The final, finals appearance. how was it playing against Michael Jordan?
1: Um, that was fine. I mean, I I played against them for 10 years at that I'm point. Sure. So it didn't really, uh, that was not the issue. It was like making it to the finals. You know, we had, a the best team in the West for a few years and we, we kind of stumbled a couple of times in the playoffs before that. And we finally get there and, you know, this is after a really hard series against, uh, Utah, you know, seven game series. It was just, uh, <laughs> it was a slugfest and, uh, mm-hmm we get to the finals and we know we actually were matched pretty, pretty well. And um, we could have won one of the first two games in Chicago. We didn't play well. We just got off, you know, the series. They were arrested. They swept, I can't remember where they swept, maybe Orlando or somebody. So they were sitting there waiting for us and we lost both games by like 11 points. And either, either one we could have won if we had played a little better. Um, But it was just a great experience being there. You know, you got the world media, you know, media interview and there, you know, there are hundred mm. reporters in you it's not like you're playing at home against the clippers and there are you know ten reporters in the locker room there are there are hundred reporters and cameras on you from around the world and it's you know everything is is highlighted every player everything gets you know printed and told about you from the whole year your career your family um you know it's it's a great experience I just wish we had one
0: <laughs> do you think it's nah. Gary Payton? guards Michael Jordan or Nate McMillan is healthy. You guys uh, win that series?
1: Um, yes, yeah, you know, you can, he can <laughs> speculate That's a lot. Talk, right? actually, actually, Michael didn't hurt us in the first few games. He didn't shoot very well, except that Rodman averaged 18 rebounds. Um, you know, he took really advantage of the way we played defense. We were known to be a rotating defense that smothered people, that, you know, forced the forced the ball out of the playmakers hands. Um and uh and it worked because they missed a lot of shot except Rodman cleaned up. Uh he, you know, he because we were scrambling, he was able to get a lot of rebounds and kick the ball back out and gave them other you know, an extra shot. Um yeah, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, Nate had been healthy. Um, you know, he was hurt most of the year. He came back in spurts, played well for a few minutes here and there, but um yeah you you never know you know you never know um could have changed some things around maybe earlier but um yeah it was a good run nah, definitely i didn't
2: i mean honestly speaking i didn't really start watching basketball basketball until i was maybe like in high school like like religiously like i remember like i remember brandon roy when i was when i was younger like cuz he was really good but i don't really remember him remember him Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't. I was one of. I played football. Football was my number one sport for a while. So I didn't. I, I wasn't really big in the basketball until I quit football completely.
1: Yeah, no, it's, you know, you got to go back to some of the, see some of these old games. And, you know, I don't, I I see highlights. People sent me stuff, you know, clips of, Mm -hmm. they remember the, you know, basketball in the 90s when they frigging clobbered you and knocked you out and (laughs) teeth were flying. And yeah, Yeah. I remember (laughs) and I, not too fondly actually. (laughs) No, for sure. So
2: uh, could you talk about like the years following once you retired in 2001, like the years following just basketball? Like, you know, did you have an a easy time adjusting the the doing other thing?
1: No, I think, you know, I think um, most people struggle. Um, like I said earlier, it's really hard to duplicate mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what you get on the court in regular life. And like I said, even missing a shot, you know, that emotional up and down. It's hard to get any of that, that adrenaline in, you know, regular life. So... Uh, it's a struggle for a lot of guys i you know i was fortunate i lived in a neighborhood with smart people much smarter than me and you know we sit around in a barbecue so we're sitting at the kids games and and talk so i mean i'm talking with executives from microsoft or uh starbucks or you know mm-hmm. startup guy a tech guy and they were like you know hey what are you going to do you you're getting old and uh, how long are you going to play and so you know i always explored things and uh, and then once i was retiring i said i got a year left i already started working outside of that and and had a group i was working with on a venture fund and so i was always interested in other things uh, especially at the end of my career and the transition transition even though it wasn't easy it allowed me to kind of explore something new and that's how i got started in just kind of the business world you know just spending time there and uh didn't really need to make money so my first couple of years i just was exploring things and uh and you know, working towards figuring out what I wanted to do. And then, you know, things fell into place. And now I'm, you know, almost fourteen years with the same company in wealth management and really enjoy what I'm doing.
2: hmm right. Well,
1: that's good. Is there uh do is there gonna be a,
2: a full blown acting career in the works? Or like is that
1: just a, you know... <laughs> Hey man, I tried. I tried. <laughs> I was there, I had my cameo, you know, I was I was thinking I am somebody's gonna call. And uh, but then I already knew nobody's gonna hire 610 white guy for what everyone there is like 5'5. Five, five, you know, I'd be like a, a villain of some kind with a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had no talent, man. There was nobody, my phone never rang. <laughs> um,
2: so you started the Debt Left Foundation in uh, 1996 to help like benefit other local charities. Could you uh talk about how you started it and you know, kind of how you? How, yeah, really how it started.
1: Yeah, we, um, I started doing stuff in indie before I got traded here. We, we hosted an annual summer camp. We called it Winning at Life. And, uh, it was not just about basketball, but, you know, going to school and setting the right, uh, path going forward. And then when I got traded here, it was like, okay, what can we do to get into the community? And, you know back in the early 90s it was like everyone was like oh you got to have a celebrity golf tournament so we started in 94 i think was our first golf tournament and then things just kind of exploded we got hit up so much that we had to get better organized and we started a foundation hired a team and you know we had done everything over the years from golf tournaments to um poker tournaments to uh um concerts to you know, you name it. I mean, we've done just about anything. We had a three on three tournament at the UW. Uh we've done a lot of events over the year, the St. Pat 's Day Dash, you know, to raise money for the charities we support, which are all uh families and children in need in the Northwest. So we did, yeah, you know, we did that for 25 years and um and then kind of closed the doors a year and a half ago when, you know, people are kind of aged out. Our kids are a grown man now. And, you know, our focus has shifted a little bit. And, uh, and so it was a great run. We had great supporters and uh, you know, we we felt we made a difference in our community. So it was, it was a lot of fun. We met a lot of great people and put on some pretty cool events. No.
0: And now uh, you guys are doing more around racial justice. Um, I, I've seen some of the stuff that you guys been doing there. What is that all about now?
1: Um, yeah, you know, it's, again, I think this is a time where you can't be quiet. Right. Um, you're either on the, right, on the right side or the wrong side. And, and um, after last year, after George Floyd got murdered, I tried to figure out, you know, what platform do I have? What, what can I do? And, um, and what are my strengths? And, and so I figured, well, I can't really be the voice or the face of uh, some type of movement campaign, but I can definitely be an organizer and supporter. So I teamed up, I, I talked to Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas, Alicia Clark, Russell Macklemore, you know, just uh, just uh, uh, some local guy people that are that are vocal, that are um, community driven. And I said, Okay, here we, we got a uh, we have an opportunity to maybe drive change and we can raise some money we have a pretty good platform we we know enough people so i used this new app it's called cause us.com to create a cause campaign for um you know, basically what we call it a race to hate and uh and we all chipped in money so we're matching funds we still are we i don't know we raised a bit of like fifty thousand dollars in and, you know, it's it, it's a struggle because obviously you gotta you gotta keep uh, you know keep at it, and you gotta get more people involved. Um, but yeah, but that's where we are right now. So I actually, had some calls today about it, and, and trying to figure out who else we can add and how we can push this further.
2: Well, no, well, that's, that's awesome. That, that that's really wonderful. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on.